morning. If you could open your Bibles to Acts chapter 14. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so very much for this day and this morning, Lord. Thank you for this piece of scripture for us to work through today. Lord, just thank you for your sermon that you have for us. Lord, I just pray that you quiet our minds and our hearts, Lord, and allow us to focus on uh, what you have to teach us today, Lord, so that we can, we can walk and grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been working through Acts. Uh, last week, Joe got to preach for Father's Day, so we took a break. So let's go back and remember what we're doing in Acts. So right now, we're in the middle of Paul's first missionary uh, journey. So this chunk of the Bible right here, Acts 14, is, uh, is about a two-year window, uh, 80, 46 to 48. So you've got Paul and Barnabas. And probably Luke, right? It, it doesn't say Luke here in the Bible, but Luke's the author of this. So I'm assuming Luke's walking around hanging out with these two guys because he's writing down all these things. I, I wouldn't think that Paul would tell the story to Luke to write down years later. So I'm assuming Luke's here with them. So uh, in Acts 13, the church at... Antioch commissions Paul and Barnabas and sets them apart and sends them out. And then they go all over the place. So they first go to Cyprus and Pamphos, then they go to Perga, then to Poseidon Antioch, and now they're in Iconium. And at the end of this section, they're going to move on to Lyconium and Lystra and Derbe. So they're going all over the place and it's part of this missionary journey. So so at the end of chapter 13, so look up just a couple of verses. End of chapter 13, they're leaving Poseidon Antioch, and what is their condition? They just, they just took off their, their sandals and shook the sand off of it, right? Like, peace out, we're gone. But what was their heart condition as they were walking away? The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Right? Like you kind of got run out of town, and they are filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. I think that's kind of a cool way to, to do that. They traveled 90 miles from Poseidon Antioch to Iconium. So it's 90 miles southeast to a trade city. So if you read through 13 and 14, you'll follow this pattern in this missionary journey. See, see if this pattern sounds familiar. So the first thing they do is they arrive at a town, then they check into the synagogue, right? So look at 13, uh, verse 13.5, back a page on my Bible, 13.5, right? The word of God of the synagogues, right? So, so they check into the synagogues, right? And then look at 13.14. They went to Poseidon Antioch on the Sabbath. They entered the synagogue and sat down. And then look at 14.1. In Iconium, Paul and Barnabas 
went to the usual, to the Jewish synagogue. So the first thing they do is they get, they get into town and they check into the synagogue. Right? Then they preach to the Jews. Then they find the Gentiles. They preach to the Gentiles. There's typically a plot to kill them. And they leave. <laughs> right? And they go to the next town and they check into the synagogue and they preach to the Jews and they preach to the Gentiles. They get a plot to kill them and they leave. A heck of a missionary journey. So, so that's exactly the pattern that follows in these seven verses today. So, like I, I pointed out seven steps to you, right? Arrive in town, check into the synagogue, preach to the Jews, find the Gentiles, preach to the Gentiles, plot to kill them, and leave. And there's seven verses in today's message. Okay? So, so we're going to follow this pattern. So the first chunk is, is why would you go to the synagogues? So let's talk about that. So verse 1 and 2. In Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual to the Jewish synagogue. They were so effective that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So again, why do you go to the synagogues first? You follow this pattern. They go to the Jews... Then, right, the Jews get irritated at what they're doing. You go find the Gentiles. But why would you continue doing this? You forget sometimes that Paul and Barnabas are Jewish. In fact, how Jewish are they? Go find Philippians. Right? Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Go eat popcorn. Philippians 3. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. This is how Jewish Paul is. Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the, name, the same things to you again and again as it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who are evil, those multiple manipulators of flesh, for it, is those who, for it is we who are circumcised. We, are, we who worship the, the Spirit of God who glory in Jesus Christ, and who put no confidence in the flesh, for I myself have reasons for such confidence. Now here's the good part. If anyone else thinks he has a reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church for the legalistic righteousness, faultless. So remember that Paul was a Pharisee, believing in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Like, he knew the law. He was an expert. Studied his whole life. Studied under Gamaliel. Right? Like, Paul was the Jew of Jews. So, why is he going to go and talk to the Jews? Because he still loves them. The law of Moses makes up the Torah, right? The book has been held by the law and the Jewish people, and it points all the way to the Messiah. The whole Old Testament continues to point to the Messiah. But what was the issue? The Jews had the law, they had the knowledge, but they didn't know what he was doing. They didn't understand that that Jesus came to earth to complete that law. 
That's the big difference between the Jewish culture and Christians, was that they didn't transition into understanding that Messiah came to the earth, died on the cross, and completed and, com- and abolished that law. So the Jewish people held onto that law. Like, like, no, like, you have to follow this law. And Paul's like, no. Like, right, I, I used to really believe that. I, I get that. But that's not how this goes. So it's hard to go from good to great. There's actually a book, a leadership book that we get, Joe and I got to read through uh, administration. It's hard to go from good to great. So the Jewish culture believed that they were doing good. They were following the commandments. They were following the Torah. They were doing the law of Moses. But they couldn't transition from good to great. They couldn't understand that God had, had bore his son here on earth to be able to make sure that we were able to have that connection to him. Paul had the passion to follow after and to still continue to pursue his Jewish friends. But what happens? But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Have you ever had someone stand up and speak something that you were completely opposed to? Right? That's what happens when Paul walks into the synagogues for the Jewish people. That Jewish culture believes, like, 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 I don't believe what you're saying. So that Jewish culture rises up against them. So what do the apostles go and do next? Step two, you go and fight the Gentiles. Verse 3, so Paul and Barnabas spent a considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message, and by his grace, by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Considerable time is, is two years, according to the historians. Okay? <laughs> considerable time might be like, you know, David took a considerable time in the sermon, and it took a half an hour today. Like, considerable time, like two years. So in, in the seven verses here, like this is still a two-year time frame. So Paul and Barnabas uh, were not in a hurry. Like doing God's work is doing it well, and you need to do it on God's time frame. So like I said, it took about two years. But the big phrase in here is that back in Acts 4, remember that they continued to ask to speak boldly. In fact, the word boldly is all throughout the book of Acts. So, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. What were they speaking boldly about? In the research that I was working through, the, the, the com- common interest here is that we should be speaking boldly about God's grace. That's how you win Christians. Right, is to focus on God's grace. And I love the acronym that I heard once, and I don't know who said it, but I know that Joe likes to say it a lot. Grace is my favorite acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. So there you go, there's grace. As it points out in chapter 13, right at the end of 13, what was happening, right? So the concept is the Old Testament has been fulfilled by the resurrection of Jesus. And through Jesus, there is a forgiveness of sins. And if you believe in Jesus, 
you are justified from everything that the law of Moses could not do. That's what Paul was preaching right here at the end of 13, right before he gets run out of town. So isn't that grace? Let me give those three points again. The Old Testament has been fulfilled by the resurrection of Jesus, that through Jesus there's a forgiveness of sins, and if you believe in Jesus, you are justified from everything that the law of Moses could not do. There you go. There's grace. And if we focus on grace and not on works, all of a sudden you see the shift. Because what was the Jewish culture about? It was about sacrificing. Right? So it was about this perpetual sacrificing of all of these animals, day after day, the sin sacrifice, the offerings, all of these sacrifices. That was a works idea. Right? Like I was going to be able to cover these things by these efforts and these things that I was doing. If I went and sacrificed to the temple, then, I was, then everything was going to be okay. That was a works mentality. You also have the people who believe that like, if I'm just good enough, if I'm just a really nice person, I can make it to heaven. I, I refer to those as the nice people culture. Right? You don't get to heaven by being nice, and you don't get to heaven by being a, being a hard worker. You only get to heaven by knowing Jesus. So if you focus on grace, not on works and not on niceness. So so Paul goes into the Jewish synagogues and is giving this message. And, And the whole concept of sacrificing was all through the Bible, all through the Old Testament. And that Jewish culture would not have understood that. But by Jesus' resurrection and the tearing of the curtain and the entering into the Holy of Holies by everyone, now you have access to God. So Paul and Barnabas did miraculous signs and wonders. Right here in, in still in verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. In whose power? In God's. Right? Through Acts, we've seen people raised from the dead. We've seen all sorts of things. And every time that those miraculous signs and wonders occur, you know, they, they go and praise Paul and, 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 and they're like, man, Peter and the, Peter and Paul are like, no, 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 this isn't me doing this. This is me acting through God or God acting through me. So, Paul and Barnabas did the miraculous signs through Holy Spirit power, not manpower. To the Jews, them coming in, the, the apostles coming in the, to the synagogues could have sounded like blasphemy. So if you look up in Leviticus 24, so turn there, Leviticus 24, 13, and 16, 13 through 16. Work on your sword drills today. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus 24. Verses 13 through 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head, and to the entire assembly is to stone him. So the Israelites say to Israel, anyone who curses his God will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord 
must be put to death. The entire assembly must stone him, whether an alien or a native-born. When he, blaspheme, when he blasphemes the name, he must be put to death. The reasoning why I cite that piece is because you hear all these plots to kill these people. Right? There was a plot to kill uh, uh, Paul, and they pull him out of jail. Peter, there's all these plots to kill him. But isn't murder one of the Ten Commandments that you're not supposed to kill anyone? I'm confused. But, But if they believe that the apostles were blaspheming, then the next couple of, of verses make sense. Right? In, in verse 4, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat and then stone them. So, if the Jews believe that the apostles coming into the, to the synagogue are blaspheming God... Well, now you can go and kill them. Now that would be okay. The Pharisees and the Sadducees that are hanging out in the temple or in the synagogue, that would then be an acceptable you know, choice to go and kill. So they first go into the synagogues, they preach to the Jews. Secondly, they go and they find the Gentiles and they preach to them. But when do you know your job is done? Good friend of mine uh, Joe and I got to go celebrate this week uh, retiring from OMAC school district as an elementary principal. So when do you know that your time was done? He's like, well, that was a hard one, but uh, it, it, it made it really obvious with you know, the way that you finished up last year and this year. He's like, like, how do you know when you're done? When God tells you. God's timing is Perfect. Right? The time for the apostles to move and to go to the next, next location on the minister, uh, in their journey, their missionary journey. Right? So if you remember the very beginning of the sermon, how many different places that they went through in the first missionary journey? And, and why did they leave one location and go to the next? Because they got run out of town. Why? Because God encourages them to leave. <laughs> Right, he he has the Jews cite an uh, insurrection, and they're going to go and like get ticked off at the apostles, and it's like, all right, time to shake off my the, the dust off my sandals and leave and go to the next location. So, at the end, there's a plot among them with the Jews and the Gentiles together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to Lyconium cities of Lystra and Derby, and the surrounding country. So, must be time for them to leave, and Jesus, or, uh, God ordains this and, and stirs this up so that way they can continue moving on. And why? Because remember that the concept was, was to continue to spread the word. So if they're hanging out there for two years, right, they're working with, with Iconium for two years, it, all right, enough of the seed has been planted here, it's time for you to go and move on. You may not be the one in charge of the harvest. You may be just in charge of planting the seeds. Heck, you might be just the one watering the seeds. It may not be your responsibility to harvest that. So how do you know when it's time to leave? God will let you know. As chapter 13 ended, remember how they left? They left filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. 
how do they leave in the, if, the end of chapter 7, the, the verse 7 here? They continue to preach the good news. The good news of Jesus. The good news of grace. They were not called to, to retire here. They were called to relocate. And they just keep moving from town to town. They follow that pattern. Remember, first to the synagogues, preach to the Jews, find the Gentiles, preach to the Gentiles, plot to kill them, and leave. And it's funny because like, you'll see this, this, this loop continue to go on as we go through Acts. So at first I was struggling, you know, why would this little seven pair, seven verse, like why does Luke include this? See if this seems familiar. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. So it's here by Luke's writing through God breathed so that we can follow this pattern. So why are these seven verses in the Bible? To teach me to be working the Great Commission daily. So here's a few points that I was able to take away in my studies over this Number one, the message's grace is tough for someone who will not believe in God. Forgiveness is hard to understand and is humbling. If you don't understand who God is, not willing to to engage in a conversation about God, hearing the message of grace is tough. We as people believe that we can do it on our own, right? Just pull up your bootstraps and work a little harder. Yet, works has nothing to do with it. Now, when you become a Christian, you should be working for the Lord, yes. But there's not a way that you can work to get to the Lord. So that message of grace is tough for someone who doesn't understand God. Number two, if people seem resistant to the gospel, we probably did not focus on the message of grace. Let me say that again. If people seem resistant to the gospel, we probably did not focus on the message of grace. The whole gospels is all about grace. It's that constant focus on the fact that there's no way that we can do this on our own. We, we couldn't. You can't. Like, there's nothing that, that the Old Testament continues to point out how many times the law of Moses was broken because there was no way for us to ever be able to uphold that law. And yet that was the goal. Like We were trying to be really, really good people. But you can't be good enough. So the only access to God is through grace. And number three, the phrase in 2 Timothy 4 that says, preach the word, 
is interpreted often to teach the Bible to Christians when it really means preach the gospel to non-Christians. Right? One of the quotes, and again, I quote Joe a lot because I like listening to him, is preach the word daily. Use words when necessary. Right? My life should be evident that I'm a Christian by the actions that I take and the steps that I do. And that's tough. It's hard work, but if we stop and think about it, works was how the whole Old Testament was designed. Right? If you think about the constant sacrifices that had to be made, that's a works mentality. Like, I was going to be able to solve my sins, cover my sins with all these sacrificing the animals. In the end, that's not what God wants. God doesn't want anything else sacrificed to him. He simply wants you to bend your knee to him. Often. Because he wants the relationship with you. That's what he wants. It's, It's not about a works mentality. Like Paul, Paul focuses on grace. And we can use the fact that Jesus has already done the impossible part. That's how you get to the cross. Is that you understand that that Jesus has done this already for us. And that's how you, you administer to the lost. Right? Because... Right? Before I was a Christian, I just thought I would have to be really, really good. And you can't be really, really good enough. Like, like me on my best day is still a slug. Right? Like, just a wretched, nasty slug. And the only reason why I have access to God is because of Jesus. Right? Jesus comes to this earth. What's the phrase? He loves you this much. Right? He comes and dies on that cross to give us access to God every time we want, any time we want. That, that's, where, that's where grace takes in. That's how we minister to the lost. So, so I love the pattern that the apostles take. They love the Jewish culture because they are Jewish. They love their neighbors, and they go and continue to advocate for them. And, and they win some of the Jewish culture for, for God. But then they go and focus on everyone else, because it's not just a Jewish God. It's a God who loves everyone, even me. So the apostles go and then, then preach to the Gentiles. And they love them, and they listen to them, and they work with them, and they continue to point to God, because the only way is through you're going to access this is grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so very much for this this chunk of uh, verses here. Lord, thank you for. 
the work that Paul and Barnabas did in their missionary journey, Lord. Thank you for Luke's dedication to them and writing this down, Lord, and, and preserving this so that we continue to learn. Lord, thank you for uh, giving us an opportunity to study this portion of the Bible, Lord, and continue to understand how to do your will. Lord, how to, to minister to the lost, but how to continue to point them to you. Lord, I just pray that you place someone in our lives this week, someone who has a burning, has a desire to know you more. Lord, I just pray that you, you give us someone to show grace to, that through your grace, for us, Lord, through our grace for them, that we can draw another lost soul to you. Lord, I pray that you, you make this abundantly clear to us, Lord, and that we are at peace, that we may be the ones planting the seed. We may be the ones watering a seed that is planted before us. Lord, and if, if it is your will, Lord, we can be the one harvesting. Lord, that we can bring someone to you, Lord. It's in your timing, Lord. You have a perfect plan, Lord. It is not about our timing. Lord, I just pray that you continue to soften our hearts and allow us to be part of your process. Lord, thank you so very much for this week and this time. In Jesus' name, amen.